right. Hey, join me in a word of prayer. That'd be great. Let's talk to the Lord. It's good to see each of you this morning. Glad you are here. Let's talk to God. Lord, thank you that we could spend some time talking about really the heart of why you save us and then leave us here rather than taking us to heaven. And uh, Lord, it's the most important reason why we exist, why we breathe, why you give us life, why you extend us life. Why? We talked about that this morning. So pray that you'd move in our lives and encourage us because this can kind of be a scary thing. But Lord, it's not meant to be that at all when we look at it in the way you'd have us to. So open our hearts, our minds. May it be a great experience as we look at this next hero of the faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we welcome you to part nine. Here we are working through the book of Acts, Heroes of the Faith. So as we're going through this book, we're looking at these individuals, ordinary people, just like you and me. And God touches them. He raises them up to be heroes of the faith. And we've been learning this is what God wants to do in our lives today. Uh, He wants to use ordinary people, just like you and me, and raise us up and use us in our context. And so this morning, we're going to look at this next hero of the faith. His name is Philip. And we're going to study his interaction with a very interesting character, this Ethiopian eunuch. If you don't know what a eunuch is, just maybe ask your neighbor as I'm talking what that is, and they'll describe to you what a eunuch is. But what we're going to see emerge from this passage is a hero of the faith trait that God wants to bring into each of our lives. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, whether you're a man, woman, boy, girl, God wants to see this trait emerge more and more in our lives. And when we live it out, we are truly a modern day hero of the faith. So earlier I had you discuss that question, you know, what scares you most about witnessing? And I think everyone I've talked to about this topic, there's something scary about it. But what if I told you, you know, that there is a way to be the Lord's witness that is heroic, and if you embrace this way of witnessing, it will eliminate all fear. I think you'd be saying, Mark, no way. That's impossible because I know that being the Lord's witness is one of the most terrifying things that I know I'm supposed to do. But what if you're looking at it wrong? What if truly there's a way for you to be the Lord's witness in a heroic way and it will eliminate all fear. I just want to present that to you. So here's today's Heroes of the Faith trait. One of the most heroic things you can do is to be a Spirit-led witness wherever you go. To be a Spirit-led witness. And we want to talk about that today. When you choose to be a Spirit-led witness wherever you go, that is heroic. And one of the benefits of becoming a Spirit-led witness is this, all Fear disappears. But you've got to understand what this means. So I want to begin with actually Acts chapter 1, verse 8, which is the theme verse for the whole book. And then we're going to get into this story with Philip and the eunuch. And it's on your notes, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Can you find that? If you see it in your notes, can you say amen? Okay. Now, I'd like to have us all read it out loud. Let's please read God's word out loud together. If you're watching on video, 
Let's read the scripture out loud. As I read along here, it starts with, but you will. Here we are. Ready? One, two, three. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, I want to give you three preliminary observations from that very verse. That is a powerful verse because it talks about you and God and the reason you have been left on this planet. If you miss this verse, you miss the purpose of you being a Christian. Now, notice there are two you wills and one be in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And as I point out these three observations, I just want you to think. I just want you to ponder these. I'm not going to teach on them. These are here for you to just think about in your hearts. Now, notice the first, you will. Look at the verse. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You know, the, you know what that's telling us? Our first observation. You will receive power. You will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. But watch this. But it's possible to not know this, underestimate this, or not appropriate this power. That's why you think about that. Could that be you in your life? I mean, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. When you are saved, you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. But is it possible that you really don't know that? Is it possible you have this power source that you're not appropriating? I just want you to think about that. Ponder that. Notice the second you will. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. You know what that's telling us? The power of the Holy Spirit is within you to help you be God's witness wherever you go. That is what that is saying to us. In other words, because the Holy Spirit is within you, you have this supernatural ability to be God's witness in a way that you have never imagined. Guess what? It's possible to have a supernatural ability to do something and not realize you have that ability. To kind of be ignorant of it and not leverage that ability to the extent that you can. I just want you to think about that. Could that be true in your life? That there's the power, the supernatural power of God in you, but you're not tying into that. You're not leveraging that. Just could that be possible? And then notice the B, the one B in Acts 1.8. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. You know what that's telling us? It's saying this. A witness is not something, is something you are. It's not something you do. This is, this is key to witnessing biblically. A witness is something you are. It's not something you do. The Bible does not teach that you are to do witnessing. The Bible teaches, you know, like it's a chore, like it's a duty. And some of us look at witnessing like, man, I got to go do this and say that and, you know, carry out this duty. Like you think it's a chore and it's, it's like God is putting on you a burden. No, 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 no. That's looking at it completely wrong. This is who we are to be his witness. We're to live being his witness because this is who we are, because the Holy Spirit has come to dwell within. Now, 
all, again, I want you to do is just think about these things for a little bit in your heart. And let me give you a, a summary principle of those three observations. Just think about, it. here's the summary principle. The Holy Spirit wants to lead you by his power into and through witnessing opportunities. Just think about that. The Holy Spirit lives within you, and he wants to lead you by his power into and through witnessing opportunities. Now, a few moments ago, you know, or in a few moments, we're going to see this principle heroically lived out in the life of Philip. And it's my prayer that you're going to see it in Philip and you're going to say, hey, in the power of the Holy Spirit, I can also do that. And you can. So today's Hero of the Faith principle, one of the most heroic things you can do is not do, but be a spirit-led witness wherever you go. That is what we're going to talk about right now. But I'd like you to talk about this. I think... God places in each of our lives examples. He does. To encourage us, to spur us on in our growth as Christians. And I want you to talk about this at your tables. Who do you most admire for how they live as a spirit-led witness wherever they go? I think there's someone that encourages you. I think there's someone you look at, even though we haven't gone into depth here about what it means to be a spirit-led witness, which we will, but I think you already know enough about it to say, you know, so-and-so, I think they are that. I'd like you to talk about that person at your table, what you've learned from them. They are the example to you of a spirit-led witness. Go for it. Take a moment. Okay, so if a hero of the faith is someone who becomes a spirit-led witness, what does that look like? Let's look at five principles of all heroic spirit-led witnesses lived out by Philip. Number one, spirit-led witnesses sometimes need a kick in the pants to get us where God wants us to go. Some of you are laughing at that because, you know, you know, I kind of experienced that. I mean, have you ever kind of felt that? Uh, the Lord just kind of giving you a kick in the pants, prodding you to get you to a certain place or to a certain person, you know, uh, because the Lord wants you to, you know, share with them. And if you are experiencing that from time to time, guess what? You're becoming a spirit-led witness if you feel that prodding. You see, by nature, all of us like to stay in our comfort zones. We like to stay in our holy huddles. We're excited to come to followers. We're with people at our tables we know, we love. This is great. But now you put us in a different environment with so-and-so, and that gets uncomfortable. Talking to them about Jesus, what? But notice how this was the case with the early Christians. And even for our, Philip, our, our hero, Philip, they kind of were hunkered down. They were in their comfort zone. Jesus said, go, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. Move out, in other words. Well, let's go to let's start, start reading. Acts chapter 8, verse 1. And Saul approved of their killing him. That's speaking about Stephen, right? We studied that last week. Stephen's martyred. Saul's like, yeah, Saul's yet not a Christian. And look what happens. On that day, a great what? Persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. Remember, the church in Jerusalem is in homes. 
All except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Remember, Jesus said, be my witnesses in Jerusalem. They were there. Thousands of Christians are now in Jerusalem, at least 5,000. And Jesus said, no, you need to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. They're all in a holy huddle. The persecution breaks out, and all of a sudden, they start to scatter throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men, it says, verse 2, buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. That's where the church was. He dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. So this is what's happening in Jerusalem, and all the Christians are now scattered. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. All right, let me show you a map here, what's going on here. So in this map, you will see that uh, here's Jerusalem, okay? This is where all the Christians are. And all of a sudden, it says that, you know, Philip and others go down to Samaria. And, you know, because Jerusalem's way up, many of you have been with me, it's up high. And they go down to the region of Samaria. And they're just in that area north. And it is here that they're sharing the gospel. Now watch this. God uses persecution at times to move his people into Judea and Samaria. This is what he was doing back in the first century. And so that those people in Samaria and Judea could hear the good news. God uses all sorts of means today uh, to kick us in the pants at times, to get us where he wants us to go. God uses the loss of a job to bring you to another job because there is a guy in that office that needs Jesus. This is what God does all the time. Uh, he'll use sickness to bring you to a hospital where you'll meet a nurse who needs Jesus Christ to save your Lord. He will use a flat tire <laughs> to bring you into contact with a mechanic who's about to commit suicide. A man God loves who desperately needs to hear about Jesus. You see, God is in control of all things. He's in control of your life. And the Holy Spirit is orchestrating your life and all the things that happen in your life. And sometimes he uses difficult things to move us where he wants us to be so we can be his witnesses. Sometimes we need a little kick in the pants. And he orchestrates all of this. There's a purpose for everything you experience in life. And it is a salvation purpose. Because that is the reason we are breathing, is to be his witness. If you're saved, you have one reason you are on this planet, to be a witness for the Lord Jesus, not to do it, to be it. Now, this is talked about in so many places in the Bible. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, But thanks be to God who always leads us. Would you please underline that? Who always leads us. Do you know, God is always leading you. How? In Christ's triumphal procession and uses us, would you underline and uses us, to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. The Lord is always leading you. Always. Sometimes we don't perceive it as his leading, but he is. Bringing us into proximity with people who need Christ. He is always doing this. That's the first principle of a heroic, you know, spirit-led witness. Sometimes we need to kick in the pants to get us where God wants us to go. And the Lord is always doing that in your life. Whether you perceive it or not, that depends. Are you a heroic, spirit-led witness? You know, some things happen to you. How are you perceiving it? God has a reason for that, to bring you 
to people who need Christ. That is his reason. Second purpose of a hero or principle of a heroic spirit-led witness, spirit-led witnesses learn to listen to the Lord's directives. Now notice what happens to our hero, Philip. Look, if you would now, at verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord, this is chapter 8, Acts, said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So let's go back to the map. So, you know, most people were not exactly sure where Philip is. Uh, most people think he's somewhere in Samaria when this angel talks to him. And then the angel says, go south of Jerusalem to this road, this desert road that leads to Gaza. And so Philip does. He takes a walk. An angel talks to him and, uh, you know, he makes his way on down. Well, what happens? Look at verse 27 to 29. So he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch. Now, I want you to see a literal picture of this road to Gaza, this desert road. This is literally a picture of the road leading to Gaza. And you can see this Ethiopian eunuch, he went to Jerusalem as an act of worship. Because he was a eunuch, he's been castrated. He would not be able to go worship in the temple because of that very act. Who knows the story of this man's life? He's probably been through a lot. He's a recognized official, a great sacrifice uh, to serve uh, there in Ethiopia. And he, and he, he goes to worship. He kind of gets rejected. And he's on his way back. He has a Bible. We'll see in a little bit a scripture of the Old Testament he's reading. And God's heart goes out for this man. Like God's heart goes out for people and around in your life, family members and friends and people at work and strangers. And God is constantly wanting to bring you into proximity with people who need the Lord because God loves people. And the Lord leads. He has an angel speak to Philip. And so Philip goes you know, on his way to this, uh, this road in the desert and he meets this Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of the treasury of the Kandake, which means queen of Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet, the spirit told Philip to go to that chariot and stay near it. I want to give you something to think about. This may happen much more than what you think, especially if you're a person who's shown yourself to be willing to do what God asked you to do. It's easy for us to think this kind of thing never happens today. Angels speaking. I mean, that's back in biblical times. No, 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 no. That's not what the Bible teaches. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Are not all angels ministering spirits, spirits sent out to serve those who will inherit salvation? Why do angels exist to serve God's people with areas of salvation? It would be very unusual if you've not in your life at some point talked to an angel. Very unusual. You may have not perceived it because the Bible says, Hebrews 13, 2, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. There's a spiritual work of God. Angels are all about helping God's people see people saved. That is, and demons fight against this. The spiritual realm is very real in the Bible. You know, so sometimes God can send an angel to speak to us, you know, about the Lord's directives so we can be his witness in certain situations. 
But more likely, however, God is speaking to us through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within. Because you see there where it says in verse 29, the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Probably not an audible voice, but in Philip's heart, the Holy Spirit was speaking to him about, go to that, go to that chariot. On that plane, go to that chariot. I give you a principle here to think about. It's not strange that God, through the Holy Spirit, would speak to you specifically about being his witness. It would be strange if God never spoke to you about being his witness. That would be strange. That you could go through life as a Christian filled with the Holy Spirit and never hear the Holy Spirit speak to you about being his witness. That is strange. Frankly, that would be sad. And the only reason that would happen is if, if you're a Christian is that you've just not learned. You're unaware that you have a power within that you've not tapped into, that you're not open to in your life. You see, the Lord is always speaking to you and me, the Holy Spirit, about opportunities to be his witness. Uh, John chapter 10, verses 3 and 4 says, His sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. He goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. This is like the normal practice of a Christian is to hear the voice of God. So the Holy Spirit is always speaking to us all sorts of directives to be his witness, promptings from the Holy Spirit. Sometimes he may use angels, but typically, mostly I think it's the Holy Spirit within. And um, let me just give you one example. A few months ago, um, I have this appointment in Walnut Creek with a couple pastors at 8 a.m. I show up at 7.45 at Starbucks. And as I drive up, um, I, I see there are not many cars in the parking lot. There's one car in front of Starbucks. And I see a man walk out and is visibly uh, shaken by looking at a car. I don't know if it's his car or not, but the windshield, the, 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 the driver's wind, window was literally smashed out, glass everywhere. And he was just, I could just tell. And I, I parked a few, four stalls down. I just, the Lord said, Mark, go talk to that man. So I got out and I just walked up to him. I go, brother, I go, is this your car? And this guy was, he's like, yeah. He goes, I literally was in Starbucks no more than two minutes to get just like a cup of coffee. And the whole window is blown out. My cell phone is gone. I have two computers, 30 years. He's an engineer from Chevron. He goes, 30 years of work are gone. And he goes, I, I, I don't, and he just was, he didn't even know what to do. And I said, brother, I said, let I go, here's my cell phone. Let's call the police right now. And we did. And he's still stunned. And the Lord just said, pray for this guy. I just put my arm around him. His name is Steve. And I go, Steve, can I just pray for you? And he looked at me and he just said, he goes, man, he goes, my wife and my children have been talking to me about going to church. Didn't expect to hear that. And I just said, man, I just want to pray for you. And so right there in the parking lot, you know, the police on their way, we just prayed. And uh, after that, we talked a little bit more. I shared that I am a pastor. And, and then um, the police show up and, uh, you know, they're making a report. I go into Starbucks. The other two pastors show up. And I think that's the end of it. And so we're in our meeting in Starbucks. And after everything's said and done, Steve walks back in. He looks for me, comes right over, sits down in our meeting, 
And he just looks at me and he goes, he goes, Mark, he goes, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time to pray for me. I'm going to be all right. And, you know, this was a moment. And I just want to thank you. Then he got up and his wife came and picked him up and, and, and that's it. You know, it, you have the same things, the promptings. It's learning to act on those promptings. It's an act of faith. Yeah, it is. But it's not doing, it's being God's witness. Spirit-led witnesses learn to listen to the Lord's directives. Sometimes they need a kick in the pants. Then they listen to the Lord's directives from an angel, the Holy Spirit. God will prompt you. Number three, Spirit-led witnesses willingly, willingly do what the Holy Spirit asks us to do. So did you notice this? I mean, about Philip, our hero. I mean, he's just a normal guy like you and me. Please don't put these, these you know, names in the Bible on. They're just like you and me. And the, they're promptings that are coming to Philip, but he willingly did what the Holy Spirit asked him to do. I, I think that's amazing. An angel comes to him and says, hey, go south to a road, you know, this desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. That's a long road. That's in the middle of nowhere, like I showed you this picture. Hey, just go to the road. I mean, what would you do? Philip obeyed. And then the Holy Spirit says, go up to the chariot, and Philip goes up to the chariot. He, it, it's not rocket science. The Holy Spirit will prompt you, are you willing to do what God asked you to do? If When you do that, you're a hero of the faith. You are being God's witness. Again, John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. Um, so a few months ago, I'm at our house. You guys know that I study on Tuesdays. That's where I prepare all these messages. That's my day of prayer, fasting, and study. I pray for you all of you. I pray for these moments that we'll have together. They're precious to me. I believe these are deeply spiritual moments. I, I pray for those watching on video. I don't know who is watching, what other churches are watching. I pray. But this day on Tuesday, I had a problem with our garage door. And so I had to call a garage door company. And, and so they came over early in the morning, interrupted my study time, this is how I'm seeing it. I'm human like you. I get an interruption. I'm like, ah, oh, I gotta. Do, I want to study. I want to be alone with you, Lord. Hear from you. And here, God brings someone to work on my garage door. I I welcome him in. He's a young guy, and uh, hey, you know, just kind of show him the problem. And he's going to work on it. And I go, hey, uh, I'll just be upstairs. And and when you're done, just you know, come in the door. Just hey, Mark, and I'll come down. So I'm up there. I'm studying. But the Holy Spirit begins to speak to me. He says, Mark, you need to go down and spend time with that young boy. I'm like, Lord, I got to study. I got to preach. What's more important, you know? I, you got to understand, I love to study the Bible. And the Lord's just saying, no, 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 no. You need to go down. So I walk down there. And I just, you know, I just like, okay, here I am. And I just start asking questions. And he starts talking about his life and how he's just graduated from college and, and you know, now he's installing garage doors and all that. And then he just, he just goes, he said, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm actually a pastor. And he goes, you're a pastor? I go, yeah. And then I'll never forget what he said. He goes, 
I've only been to church one time in my life. And then I'll never forget what he said after that. He goes, I don't know anything about God. <laughs> so I said, I go, tell you what. I go, finish the job. Sorry, I didn't. I was like, I need to get the job finished before he saved. No, I'm just. So I said, finish the job. And then as soon as you're done, call me and I'll take you through a little thing that I've shared with hundreds of people on what the Bible says and who God is. And he goes, I would love that. Okay. So he finishes the job. Everything's working great. I come down and I take out a sheet of paper. And I, I've trained many of you how to share the gospel in a compelling way with picture. And so I tell him, the you know, the story. And this guy is so prepared. So he totally gives his life to Jesus Christ. I think I have a picture of Jonathan. Do I have, there it is. So, you know, so just a young guy that God prepares, you know. And please, I, you know, I'm not patting my, I'm trying to give you illustrations to just out of my own life to say, this is, you can be this. This is just me being me. There's no fear in all of this. It's being led by the Lord. And I know many of you are, are, are much even better at being God's witness than I am. I'm still learning, but there's no fear when you are. This is how the Holy Spirit leads you, okay? So, um, you know, and I, I love this, you know, statement here is, you know, God, he's not looking uh, for great ability, just great availability. You know what I'm saying? That you'd be willing to do what the Holy Spirit asks you to do when he asks you to do it. And watch this. The more you're willing to do what the Holy Spirit asks you to do, the more he'll talk to you about what he wants you to do. But if you shut down his voice, why would you expect he keeps speaking to you? You can quench the Holy Spirit. You can actually, you know, kind of, it's like a fire, you know, put water on the fire of the Holy Spirit. So when he speaks to you, it's learning to actually be like Philip and do what the Holy Spirit asked you to, you to do. I love the, uh, the prayer of Isaiah 6, 8. Here am I, send me. And that's what I try to pray every morning. Here am I, Lord, send me. Help me to be your witness today. So i like you to talk about this at your tables because I believe that there's been times in your life when you've been willing to do what the Holy Spirit asked you to do. I'd like you to share that story. Share about a time when you willingly did what the Holy Spirit asked you to do and what happened. Talk about it.
30 seconds. Okay, so spirit-led witnesses, they sometimes need a kick in the pants to where God wants us to go. They then listen to the Lord's directives, and then they're willing to do what the Holy Spirit asks them to do. Let me give you the fourth principle. Spirit-led witnesses simply offer to help. Being a spirit-led witness, please listen to this. This is so important. It's not about beating someone over the head with your Bible. It's not about shoving Scripture down someone's throat. Please don't do that. That will just make it so much more difficult for the next Spirit-led witness that wants to reach that person. Please don't be obnoxious. You never see Jesus doing that. We should never do something that we don't see Jesus doing. When's the last time you see Jesus just throwing down the Bible on someone? You just don't see that. You know what Jesus did? Acts 1038, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. Here's a person who's a spirit-led witness, and he went around doing good. That's Jesus. He went around doing good because God was with him. You know, the the greatest mark of a spirit-led witness is this. They go around doing good around non-Christians. That's it. That's it. Notice how Philip just offered to help the eunuch. He's just doing good. In verses 30, and then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. And look what he says. He says, do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. He's trying to help him. That's all. I mean, obviously, this guy's not Jewish. He's reading a Jewish scripture. He's trying to help him. And the eunuch says, well, how can I, he said, unless someone explains to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him in the chariot. And this is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, as lamb before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In, its, in his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of the, his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. He's reading from passages in Isaiah, Isaiah primarily 53. And the eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else? Then Philip began. Philip is just simply helping the guy out with that very passage. He didn't go to something else. With the very passage, he's answering the guy's question. He's helping him out. And then he tells him the good news about Jesus. Can I just give you a principle? Spirit-led witnesses simply offer to help. That's it. Can I give you two observations about offering help? Number one, it's seldom scary to offer help. It's very scary to feel like, oh, I got to be, I got to, you know, witness and tell this guy and save this guy or gal. No, no, no. Offer help. It's not scary to offer help. It wasn't scary for Philip to help this guy understand. You know, we have neighbors on our street that don't know Christ yet. And I always just say, how can I help them? One neighbor comes to me uh, just a few weeks ago and just says, hey, Mark, um, I know you know a lot of people. She knows I'm a pastor. She goes, 
do you know of anyone who is like a piano teacher? And I go, of course. I go, let me, let me text you several names and numbers. Helping her out. They have several kids. They have four kids. All three of our grown kids are out of the house now. <laughs> That's a great moment in life, right? But we go shopping at Costco still, and I'm like buying all this milk. I'm like, man, you, know, you can only buy it in, you know, in a crate, you know? And so I'm like, I walked over to our neighbor, that same neighbor, and she said, hey, do you mind once in a while I'll just put a gallon of you know, milk on your porch because we can't drink it all. She's like, that would be great. And so I, I drop things off on her porch all the time, just little gifts. It's just doing good. That, you know, it's, it's not threatening to love people, to be kind to people, to just show them good things, you know? It's seldom scary. But offering, and then what I notice is that this, second, offering physical help eventually leads to spiritual help. Like our neighbor, she's like, yeah, you guys do that outreach thing, right? So I'm getting her tickets and her family. They're coming to our outreaches now. It's, you know, it starts with just physical acts of kindness and goodness, and then it leads to spiritual things like here with Philip. He's helping him understand, and he's like, well, what does it mean? And then it says, and then he told them the good news about Jesus. Wow. Spirit-led witnesses simply offer to help. Let me give you a fifth principle of a heroic spirit-led witness. Five spirit-led witnesses live an adventure of unspeakable joy. And this is, this is so cool. I just love this part of it, you know. When you choose to live your life as a spirit-led witness, two things are going to be true of your life. Every day will be an adventure, and every day will be filled with joy. So if you feel like, you know, my life, my Christian life, not much, not very adventurous, and I'm not having a lot of joy, I would just say to you, you need to be a spirit-led witness every day. Make that your goal, not your job, what you're doing. If you make your work your goal, you're missing the point of why you've been born again. And you're going to deny the power of the Holy Spirit's work within you. It's to be a witness wherever you go. Now, yes, you should be the best employer, employee at, at, at where you're at. I'm not saying that should become less. But it's like there's something that should transcend everything. And it's you being on an adventure and discovering joy in being led of the Holy Spirit to be his witness. Amen? I mean, that's it. Um, you know, the book of Acts is the acts of the Holy Spirit. What's the book of your life? The book of your life should be the acts of the Holy Spirit. It really should be. The Holy Spirit leading you throughout life into divine appointments and opportunities. So I, I want you to just think about Philip's life a little bit. Here's Philip, normal guy, just like you. So a big persecution breaks out in Jerusalem, and this forces Philip out of his comfort zone, and it leads him to Samaria. And we really didn't read this, but it, in verses, you know, chapter 8, and what happens in Samaria, it says, Philip went, went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. And then it talks about what happened in Samaria. He's just following the Lord. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, I mean, miracles are happening through Philip. They all paid close attention to what he said. For with shrieks, impure spirits came out of many, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. And Philip was part of that joy. You know the joy there is 
when the Holy Spirit leads you to be his witness and you have the privilege of seeing someone, a miracle, the greatest miracle is not someone physically healed. It's someone spiritually healed for all eternity. And when you have that opportunity, it is absolutely the most joy imaginable. It's, it's unbelievable. And then God speaks to you, pretending you're Philip, through an angel and the Holy Spirit also. And the message is, go to this road, you know, far from where you are right now that leads to Gaza. And so you go. And then the Holy Spirit leads you up to this certain chariot. And there you meet this Ethiopian eunuch. And you simply offer to help him read a passage in Isaiah. And that opens the opportunity for you to share the good news. And this guy trusts the Lord. Then what happens? This story, it gets even better. Look, if you would, if you would, now go back to verse 36. So this guy, he opens his life to Jesus, the eunuch, verse 36, and they traveled along the road and they came to some water. So some water somewhere, they see a river, I don't know, an oasis. And the eunuch said, not Philip, but the eunuch says to Philip, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? Oh my. And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch, they go down into the water and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, watch this, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again. That take him away, it's the same thing as raptured. It's like, literally, God did a miracle. He literally like beamed me up, Scotty kind of thing. He literally, it must have been craziest moment, baptizing this guy, and the eunuch comes out, boom, Philip's gone. Philip was literally transported 20 miles away to Azotus. And it says, and, and he did not see Philip again, and he went on his way rejoicing. And Philip, however, he appears at Azotus. And so let me show you the, the map here. And there's great joy there as well. So here they're on the desert road somewhere, they baptize him. Boom, they come up out of the water, and Philip shows up at Azotus, or Ashdod, it would become also known. And, and here's a picture of, uh, it will show us where Azotus is. I think it's coming up. Uh, literally, you can see the ruins of it. There you go. There's Azotus. So Philip shows up here. Can you imagine that moment? That would be amazing, man, to be experiencing that. I know that's like supernatural and crazy, but what, a mo- what an adventure. I can't believe, you know, the adventure that it is to live for the Lord here in the United States. I often tell you stories all over the world. It's an adventure there. I'm just led to the Holy Spirit when we go wherever I'm going. I'm going to be going to Uganda in a little bit. I can't wait for that adventure, you know? But it's the same with you. It's the principle. You follow the Holy Spirit where he leads you, being his witness, and it is exciting. All right, what I want you to do before we wrap up, I want to tell you a cool story, is of the five principles of all spirit-led witnesses, which one most inspires you and why to be his witness? Would you talk about that at your tables?
One minute. Okay, let me bring us back to our hero of the faith trait and try to just kind of send you out of here with uh, God's Spirit leading you. So one of the most heroic things you can do is to be, to be God's Spirit-led witness wherever you go. Have you learned a little bit more, do you feel, in your heart about what it means to be a Spirit-led witness, huh? Praise the Lord. Those three ladies have. No. (laughs) The ladies are always quickest to get it. No. No, I think God's speaking to all of us. I believe that. I want you to imagine the story a little bit different. Look at verse 26 and 27. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So Philip said... Lord, sorry, not today. Got other things going on. Hmm. Verse 29 30. The Spirit said to Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip said, Sorry, Lord. I got to go to Starbucks. I need my coffee. And I got to get a bunch of chores done today. What kind of adventure is that? What kind of joy is that? Hmm. Verse 34 and 35. The eunuch said to Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about here, himself or someone else? Then Philip said, Can we talk about something else? I mean, like, I hear Ethiopia is amazing. Can you tell me about the sports there? I want to hear about what's going on, you know, in that area of the world. Ah. I don't know why I'm thinking about Saturday Night Live sketch with Debbie Downer. <laughs> Debbie Downer, wasn't that her name? Eh. <laughs> Beloved, the Holy Spirit is always speaking to us. Are we quenching his voice? I, I just think, just think about this. I, you know, I look, look at verse 36. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And here's the eunuch. He's talking out. And he says, look, there's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And then Philip said, you really want to get in that dirty water? I mean, who knows what kind of disease you're going to get? Wow. Hey, uh, what I'm trying to do is, can I please humanize Philip? He's a guy just like you and me. It's just that he learned to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the difference. And you know, that same Holy Spirit who lives in Philip lives in us. And that same Holy Spirit is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he wants to lead you and me by his power into and through witnessing opportunities because that is the reason we are on this planet, beloved. When we get to heaven, we're going to worship the Lord and be with each other. 
Right now, it's about the age and day of the Holy Spirit leading us into and through. Mm, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses, not do it, be it. And we've given you these principles this morning. And let me just remind you of them again and then tell you a story. We'll be out of here. Spirit-led witnesses sometimes need a kick in the pants to get where God wants them to go. And maybe this whole message is kind of a little kick in the pants to say, wake up. And not from me, but from the Holy Spirit, the God who loves you. Spirit-led witnesses learn to listen to the Lord's directives. Listen this week. Listen to Holy Spirit speaking to you about relationships at work, wherever you are at. Spirit-led witnesses willingly do what the Holy Spirit asks them to do. Sometimes it'll sound a little crazy, but you will do it because the Holy Spirit is prompting you. And then you simply offer help. It's It's not scary to offer help. That's where it starts. And then it leads to the spiritual and it leads to an adventure of unspeakable joy. One of my arenas uh, for me witnessing is golf. Um, a lot of Christians always want to golf with me. Honestly, it's where I'm around non-Christians, and I just typically will show up at a course and just to be with non-Christians. And so I'm, I'm golfing uh, with a group of guys, don't know the Lord, guys that um, have invited me back several times, and I'm with this guy, and I show up, like 7 a.m. tee off. I show up, and his name's Bob. Bob is coarse mouth, you know, swearing guy that knows who I am, but he doesn't really give a rip. <laughs> My kind of guy. <laughs> but he walks up to me, and this guy is 83 years old. And he walks up to me, and he says, Mark, he goes, since I last saw you, I had a massive heart attack. And I was this close to not making it. And I could just tell he was shaken. And so during that entire round of golf, I'm just praying. I'm saying, okay, Holy Spirit, lead me. I want to be your spirit-led witness. How can I help this guy? And just nothing, nothing, nothing. And then he was in another cart with another guy. And I'm like, Lord, what's going to happen here? What's going to happen? I'm like, and I just felt like God isn't really speaking. So I don't act when the Holy Spirit doesn't lead me. That's the other thing. you got to make sure when you are led to say something or do something that you have God's peace. And and, and you will learn how to do this better and better as God works with you and he'll speak to you. And so we get to the 18th hole. We finish out. And finally, him and I, I can see the two guys with us. They're walking the other way. We're going to go get the carts. And I'm I'm just like, the Holy Spirit just gave me the words. And I put my arm around Bob and I go, Bob, I have no idea when I'm going to see you next again. I go, we can't risk another heart attack without us knowing where you're going to go if you were to die. I said, Bob, right here now, let's pray. Let's give your heart to Jesus Christ so you'll know if you die before I see you next, you're going to go to heaven. And Bob's just like, let's do it. (laughs) So right there on the 18th, I just said, okay, you repeat this after me. God gives his heart to the Lord. And we took this picture right after that. Spirit-led witnessing, you know? It's not something you do. It's who you are as the Holy Spirit leads you. Please, I pray that this will be a picture of Jesus and hope for you, not of me. I've just said, Lord, should I share these stories? I don't want you to see me. 
I want you to see Jesus. I want to see if it could be serving as a way for you to become who the Lord would have you to become. But I'll tell you one thing. I live an adventure. And I live in joy. Not 100% of the time, but it is an adventure. It's an adventure of joy. It is a journey. It's exciting. It's Holy Spirit-led. That's what God wants for you and wants for me. Amen? All right. Gone way too long. Let's stand, you guys. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you for our morning, our time together. We stand in honor of you, and I just pray that you'd send us out to be your witnesses. To be your witnesses. Like what Isaiah said, here am I, send us, I pray, to be your witnesses, even this week. And all God's people said...